Chapter Twenty Seven of An Unwilling Guest by Grace Livingston Hill. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Like Many Waters. Chapter Twenty Seven The Coming of the Boxers. June and July dragged their horror laden lengths along, and Evelyn grew thinner and whiter. She forced herself to read the papers from beginning to end. She read the names of all missionaries printed. Once she saw Dr. Gray's name among those who were missing, with a hint of hope that he might have been saved. But the next report of those saved did not mention him. From Allison there came anxious letters, telling of their sorrowful hearts, but showing withal a high hope in him who had power to save. Evelyn thought, as she read her prospective sister-in-law's sweet words of trust, that she herself was not worthy to be named among those who had faith. She could only lie in God's hands, and let him have his own way with her, and all things that concerned her. But nevertheless she envied the other girl her freedom to show her anxiety. How sweet it would be to have a right to ask and wait to be told, even though there was little hope of any joyful message on this side of heaven. She grew still thinner and whiter in these days, and her father took her away to the shore out of the city's heat, and then to the mountains, but she seemed to care as little for the one as for the other. She was sweet and gentle to him, and seemed pleased with any proposition he had to make, but he could see there was something the matter with her which was deeper than he knew. He grew worried and proposed a trip abroad, but she laughed away his fears and begged to be taken home again, saying she was only homesick. She went down to one of the missionary meetings as soon as possible after getting settled once more. Her heart was aching to know what the workers thought or knew. But she listened in vain for any word. They spoke of the service just passed in memory of the dear dead missionaries, her heart crying out against it. His memorial services, and only a little while before, he had been with them talking and smiling. Oh, it was terrible! She went home feeling too ill to endure it longer. And there she found, lying on her dressing-table, a letter. It was a foreign letter, with a queer unfamiliar stamp, and on strange thin paper. But the writing on the outside, though she had seen it but once before, she seemed to know at once, as she had known its owner's voice and face long ago. She calmly took off her wraps, praying the while, she knew not why she went about the little things she had to do with so much attention to detail before reading it. It was as if she were trying to steady her heart for an ordeal through which she had to pass. She did not let herself think. No question of whether he was alive or dead, or why he had written to her, was allowed to form itself in her brain. She held everything in abeyance for the reading, well knowing it might hold much of good or ill. Her door locked, she sat down and opened the letter with cold, trembling fingers. Her full name and address were at the top of the sheet, and the letter began abruptly. I am sitting tonight in the small whitewashed room that serves for a temporary hospital. Near me, on an iron cot, lies a Chinaman on whom yesterday I performed a severe operation. I am sole nurse, missionary, and doctor. The others were all ordered off today. They had gone to Peking for safety from the boxers, who it is rumored will be here in a few hours. The man on the bed beside me is not a Christian, 
he will not be in danger from the boxers his family think that i have cut his heart out to offer to my god and then to make strange medicine of i also was ordered to peking but if i go away and leave this patient with no one to attend to him now in his critical condition the man will die it is a choice of deaths i may be able to save him by serving him a few hours longer perhaps his people may come to believe in the living god if he recovers undoubtedly my life is in danger in all probability i shall be cut off from any communication with the rest of the missionaries in an hour if i am not already there is scarcely any hope that i can be saved it is for this reason that i am writing this letter if i thought i should live i would not trouble you with my story i have arranged with one of the mail couriers whom i know well and who has great respect for anything bearing the government stamp to take any letters that he may find in a certain crack in the wall near by known to myself and him and he will i feel sure mail this if i live i shall not put the letter where he can find it but destroy it and so no harm will be done if i stay quietly in this room it may be two or three days before i am discovered and by that time the sick man will i hope be able to get on with the nursing of the old chinese cook whom i am instructing therefore though i feel that death is not far off i am content to-night and i have decided to let my heart have this much indulgence do you know evelyn rutherford that i have carried your image in my heart since i left you that i hear often above all other sounds the music of your piano as you played alfidesane i did not look the fact quite in the face that night though i felt it dimly but i think it will be till we meet again in heaven i may tell you just this once that i love you may i not it has been my joy and my delight when weary with hard work and lonely i could sit down a moment to let the strange foreign city melt away and the chinese jargon cease to ring in my ears while i walked the autumn leaf-strewn street with you once more and saw the sunlight shining on your hair or watched the shadows glancing from your lashes when you raised your eyes to mine to answer a question sometimes i let myself dwell on the ride we took together that wonderful afternoon you can never know the joy of the moment when you promised me you would pray for yourself i think i would like to stand hand in hand with you on the brow of that hill where we stopped to look and await with you my lord's coming there are many times also when i go back to our first meeting in new york and to the afternoon we spent in the old castle while the storm roared outside but they are not so dear because at those times we had not spoken of what was nearest to my heart the love of jesus and i had not yet begun to pray for you that sweet that blessed privilege which has been my one daily pleasure i have come to feel sure my evelyn my darling you will let me call you that for just to-night will you not that you have drawn close to jesus sometimes when i am kneeling at the throne of mercy i can almost hear the echo of your whispered prayer and feel the wafting of your breath and i think i have dared to think you are praying for me and my work i have not been so wild as to fancy you could love me i know you have no such thought i might have dared to try to win you had i stayed in new york and attained the success which seemed to be mine for the trying but i could not ask you to love me and leave all that the life to you would be almost necessity to come out here and suffer nay what i may have to suffer to-morrow or the next day i could not be so calm about the coming of those friends if you were here beside me 
and yet oh evelyn if you were here i tremble to think of all it would mean for me if i were to go on living and you you here beside me the wild thought has just rushed through my mind that i might have dared after all i might have asked you men have done as selfish things before women have loved and dared and yes have set their love upon just as unworthy men as i perhaps thank god that i did not evelyn with the boxers coming to-morrow i have a confession to make close to my heart i carry a picture of you as a little girl with sweet wondering eyes and a cloud of hair about your face it was left by your brother in his college room after packing and he asked me to take care of it since i have known you i cut your face from the card and placed it in a small case which i always carry with me this is since i knew you in new york the last winter of my stay there i do not think you will grudge me the small comfort of carrying it with me to my grave no one will ever know who it is and of my love for you which has grown during the years and with the few bright glimpses i have had of you how can i write it is a thing to be told not put upon paper it is something intangible which only eyes and lips may fully interpret but i want you to know what your image is in my heart where no woman was ever enshrined before and that to me you are at once the most beautiful the most lovable and the sweetest of all womankind of your queenly bearing and your many graces it would take the years of a lifetime to speak it may be that in heaven i may tell you the meaning of it all for me and that there our souls may welcome one another and understand and now dear one whatever your life is to be whether long or short joyous or sorrowful i have told you with my last word of my great great love for you and i commend you to him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy i shall take every precaution that this may be sent you in case i am killed as i can hardly escape being do not let that part of it trouble you i do not fear to go to my saviour and i shall count it all joy if i may suffer a little for his sake it may be that through it the soul of this poor heathen on the bed beside me may be brought to jesus in some way i have learned to love christ's way for me even though it means separation from you whom i love now i shall fold and address this sealing and stamping it carefully that it may be sure to reach you if it is sent then i shall place it in the pocket of my coat next to your picture if the boxers come as they most surely will it is but the work of a moment to conceal this in the place appointed between two heavy stones where even fire will not be likely to reach it and be assured that i love you too much to allow this ever to reach or disturb your happiness as long as i live evelyn my darling i love you and now auf wiedersehen go thou thy way and i go mine apart yet not afar only a thin veil hangs between the pathways where we are and god keep watch tween thee and me this is my prayer he looks thy way he looks mine and keeps us near yet god keeps watch tween thee and me both be his care one arm round thee and one round me will keep us near the smarting tears dimmed her eyes so that she could not read the name signed clear and bold below as it danced in dazzling characters before her her pain and her joy struggled together which might first and hardest strike her 
she had read slowly dazed and unable at first to comprehend all the love and the horror and the pity of it gradually as she sat and stared at the closely written pages she seemed to see the chinese hospital room with its whitewashed walls the sick man lying near the quiet figure writing the whole surrounded by those demoniacal creatures lurking in dark shadows ready to spring when the moment came and the letter was finished gradually the one who was writing became the centre of the vision and everything else faded away then she began dimly to understand three things that he loved her ah that was wonderful beyond her understanding how it could have come about that he was a hero that she seemed to have known forever and that he was dead slowly slowly this dreadful fact was forced upon her it was like having the anxiety of the summer all over again with the gradual growing certainty that there was no hope only now it fell upon a heart fresh from his words of love and she could not tell whether there was more joy or sorrow in being allowed to mourn for him there was a sound at the door now it was repeated several times before she understood that she must answer it she came back to the present world with a start she had promised to go with her father to a missionary meeting in a large church that evening she had been very anxious to go and had coaxed him he had been somewhat surprised but had yielded putting aside a very important business engagement to please her he was standing in the hall below waiting for her now marie called to know if she needed any help she folded the dear letter into its envelope and hastily put it inside her dress the force of months of habit made her feel that she must not disappoint her father now her mind was not fully working or she would have known that she could not bear that meeting in her present state but she felt that she must go and get it done that she might earn the right to be alone in her room and think she must understand it all before she told any one a word of the wonderful awful news if indeed she could ever trust the precious secret out of her own heart she called to marie that she would come in a moment and did not need her then she moved about gathering her wraps she had but a little while before placed so carefully away she wondered now at the uselessness of the action it did not occur to her that she had eaten no dinner and that no one had questioned it the circumstances that had made this fact possible were unusual her father had taken a hasty meal at the club in order to meet some gentlemen and dispatch his business so as to be free for this evening meeting marie had been out for the afternoon not having returned until a few minutes before mr rutherford richard was away on a business trip and none of the servants had seen evelyn come in as she had her key with her when no one came down to dinner they supposed that she was invited out and marie had forgotten to mention it and they did not trouble themselves further evelyn's white face attracted her father's attention during the trip to the meeting they were in a crowded car and were separated but her large eyes had a restless unsteady fire in them that made him uneasy they had a few steps to walk after getting out of the car and he asked her if she was quite well and still felt equal to a meeting she answered that she was quite well scarcely knowing what she said indeed she seemed to herself to be walking through a strange unknown land always with that whitewashed room before her and the chinaman stretched on the bed beside the man who was writing her eyes felt hot and dry 
and seemed as if they were burning the lids when she let them close a moment as they came into the bright church they were late the meeting had already begun the church was crowded the heat was intense though outside it had been clear and cool a place was made for the newcomers back by the door evelyn did not seem to see the throng of people before her she was looking straight through them miles and miles over land and sea watching every moment for the creeping diabolical fiends to rush about that white room she could see the man stop his writing and bend over to attend to the patient she knew the very tenderness of his touch and the gentleness of his voice she could see the earnest gaze of the sick man and knew he was judging the saviour by his physician then quick to her watch again she could see them now those devils stealing through the dark there was singing all about her her hand held one side of her father's book but she did not know it her eyes were fixed upon the dark objects there were so many of them and they were coming now so much faster since it was all still some one was praying thanking god for his martyrs ah that word he was a martyr as well as hero sitting there so quietly with death standing at the door there were a great mass outside now and were yelling and what was that a shot she saw him fall and the ball seemed to go through her own heart she fell back in her father's arms it was all confusion of kindness in a moment they bore her out to the air and offered various assistance some one called a carriage and they took her gently home a doctor who had been in the meeting went with them she had come to herself just a moment the young man kept his finger on the pulse he talked to mr rutherford about the meeting and the mission work and confided his own desire to go out on the field the father scarcely heard he had sent for dr attlee he did not trust these young inexperienced graduates he was glad when the ride was ended and they had placed the still white girl on her own bed then began the reign of white-capped skilful nurses while evelyn lay in the grip of fever and knew not of what went on about her always there was that same tragedy to be acted over and over again he loved her and he was there ahead of her in danger and she could not save him and then that shot i want to bring a former colleague of mine in to look at her said dr attlee as he drew on his gloves one morning preparatory to leaving it is almost time for the crisis and with your permission i will let him watch her through he is exceedingly skilful in such cases i would trust him as myself i cannot be here so constantly as i would like and some one should be within call to-night certainly said the grave father anything you think best doctor we trust you you know there was something almost pitifully wistful in the father's appeal to the doctor's skill i counted a providence that he is here at this time went on the doctor he just arrived by a roundabout way from china this morning he was for going to his people in the west at once but i have persuaded him to wait over and help me for a few days he has had a marvellous experience among the boxers was saved as by a miracle after they thought him dead he was nursed by an old chinese whose child he had saved from blindness and smuggled out of the country by an unusual route and he has just landed in new york you will be interested in talking to him good morning ah indeed said mr rutherford dryly 
he did not wish to be impolite to the great doctor but he did not wish to hear any more of boxers or missionaries was it not a missionary meeting that was the cause of evelyn's sickness this he firmly believed End of chapter twenty seven